Welcome to the Bunker Mentality Golfcast. We've got a very exciting um, guy on today. For all us here on, on the British side of the pond, or the, the European side of the pond, don't want to upset anybody. Um, we've got a, a, a guy from, from England who's gone over to the States and um, uh, is doing some really interesting stuff. So we thought we'd um, get him on and, and, and have a conversation about golf and various things that, that are happening in America. So today there's um, uh, myself here, Robert, there's Tom and Nicola as normal. Um, and we've got Harry Rodwell, who's from all the way down there in Devon, who's now been in the States for a couple of years. Um, so Harry, hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, not bad, thanks. It's um, it's a it's a bright enough day here today, but it's getting very cold now. It's it's so, yeah, we've we've got a lot of sun here, but it's starting to get a little bit chilly on this side too. But we don't have as much rain as England does. Well, no, it was chucking it down at the weekend. I mean, it was really t- for the last two weekends actually. We had a golf event cancelled uh, last weekend um, because it was torrential, and you'll know it, it was quite strange because it was raining for three days. And and then on the Sunday when we were supposed to play, it was beautiful and sunny, but the course was flooded. So usual stuff. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I don't suppose you suffer that over there. Oh, we do. It comes in like an hour spurt where it just chucks it down for an hour and then it drains within 30 minutes. So we're lucky with that aspect, yeah. All right, okay. So you're um, you're from Devon originally. How long have you been in the States and, and what made you go over there? Um, so, yeah, I was from Exmouth, Devon, uh, playing East Devon Golf Club as a junior. Um, and I moved over here for university uh, about six and a half years ago now. All oh, right. So I came over to play, um, shall I say, soccer over here. Uh, all that, uh, um, and golf with um, at my university, so I managed to do two sports um, whilst keep my studies up. So it was it was a very hectic four years, but it was well worth it. Did you uh, go out there on a, a scholarship? Yeah, so I went. Um, I was a, an old um, student. I was twenty three when I came over, so I couldn't go anywhere else apart from NEIA or D three. Um, so I got a academic scholarship, um, which helped out dramatically because it's very expensive to go to universities over here without one. So you went, you went there, and you said football. So did you go with two sports, and you were equally good at both of them? Was that the idea? Yeah. So funny, funny story is, um, I felt like I was better at um, football than I was at golf. Um, Growing up, I played for Exeter City and Yeovil Town and breaking in uh, to the first team as a youngster. Um, and things just didn't work out. So I got frustrated and then decided to come over to America and and play um, the two sports over here. Were you out there to, to look to like become to go pro or was it just purely to uh, to see what the US had to offer? Yeah, it was, it was more of just coming over here and I wanted to get a degree um but also play um sport on a high level because sports over here are just dramatically different than in england when it comes to university level um when we we played in front of a thousand fans every game at home um in the football stadium um and in the golf courses we go we go and play the golf courses that some of these pga tours are playing or the 
um, the minor tours that I'm playing. And so the greens are fantastic. Uh, you're playing pristine golf courses every every week. Um, I got very lucky, put it that way. I'm sure it wasn't luck. I'm sure there was some hard effort in there somewhere. <laughs> there was a little bit in there, but still. <laughs> so your, your, your football, what, what team did you support when you were over here then? Uh, so my team is um, Everton, so it's a bit of a depressing time right now. Oh, do you know what? That was so close I was going to say I bet it's Liverpool. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that. Um, far from them, but it's Everton. But we need, we need all the fans we can get. Well, you sure do. Yeah, I had a little bit of that yesterday. It wasn't a good match, I've got to say. But, yeah, the golf, the golf end of things then. So you were you were pretty sharp at golf. Um, did you have any aspirations to become a, a PGA pro or was it just to get the degree? Or? Um, I mean, I, I loved the both sports and golf-wise, I loved playing golf. It's just a completely different um, game compared to the high-strung um football aspect so it was nice to relax on the golf course and knock a ball around the course for a while um I didn't really have any expectations as such um until I got down to plus handicap and then I started just to wonder um I still wonder a little bit but I'm on I'm on the um I'm on the edge of whether to turn pro and try some little mini tours around the east coast um but yeah we'll see is there any part of you that regrets going over there rather than staying back over here in Britain and turning pro and trying to make it that way? Um, a little bit, but the connections I've made over here and to see how big the opportunity is in the golf industry here is I'm, I'm definitely not regretting that aspect. Um, so kind of going on to my golf spy then, was that an opportunity straight from kind of university that you had? Yes. So... It's a small world. So the uh, field hockey coach, um, the the wife, so her her husband owns my golf spy. So I was I didn't know that at the time because um, I didn't really know much about my golf spy um, until my um, former partner, uh, former um, college player on the team. He, he started working for them and it got me interested a little bit more and then I graduated and then there was a spot opening for the soft goods section, um, which is golf bags, shoes, mm-hmm. uh, range finders, everything like that. Um, and luckily I got, I got the position. Wow, that was pretty cool then, wasn't it? Yeah. Because you're, right, you're right, into, right into something which is, is new and growing because the media aspect is changing, of course, you know, um, the growth of social media of anything is is quite exponential at the minute. So great result, that. Yeah, I mean, I I was right place at the right time, which was um, very nice to to get a position straight out of college um, and a great one at that. Yeah, so t- tell us, tell everybody a little bit about um, my golf spy. So we understand it as a as a sort of um, review and testing site, but it's it's more than that, really, isn't it? Yeah, so we're the only ones in the world that really do what we do. Um, so we have a hard goods section and a soft goods section. And in the hard goods section, everything we do is created and relied on data that we collect. So, for instance, a driver test, instead of hitting you know, 10 shots and calling it a day on each club, we hit 10,000 shots per test. Um, really? So- yeah, we, it's it's a it's a big jump from just hitting ten. Um, 
so yeah, we we hit ten thousand shots, and we have a pool of testers, about a hundred testers that come in with completely different handicaps, different ages. Um, will come in and hit all these shots, and then at the end of the test, we collect all that data, put it into our algorithm that we created, um, use uh, Mark Brody strokes gained, and then translate that into using uh, statistical significance that determines the winner of either. Uh, a driver or iron set or wedge or putter. Um, so it's a very complex way to do it, but we can see differences in club to club. Um, and yeah, it's kind of crazy what you, what you see when you put the data together. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty intense. I mean, do, do you get, when you get those results then, um, and I know there's been some sort of feedback and, and, not feedback, but people have been openly in conversation with you about the golf balls. Do you, do you get the same with the um, with the equipment suppliers? Do they actually phone up and say, "Hey guys, we need to talk about those numbers because yep. you know, yeah, all the time." <laughs> and yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, we we at the end of the day, we're here for the consumer, and we want to get the best products in people's hands. And if there's products out there that are, um, for instance, getting brainwashed by big OEMs with all the marketing money that gets thrown at them. Um, sometimes the, the product differs and doesn't get as good as it should. So we're here to make sure that everyone is on a level playing field. And if it's a, not a good product, we're going to expose that. Um, not out of um, militia, but to yeah. make sure that a consumer is getting what they pay for. I suppose it's for customer value, isn't it? That if they think that they're they're going to get a driver that gives them four, 40 extra yards, but it actually only gives them four. Exactly. They'd rather hear that for, as an honest opinion from somebody independent than the normal marketing. Exactly, and and that's no one's scared to do it. Yeah, and that that's the thing is a lot of a lot of the manufacturers have promised us twenty extra yards for four or five years now. So you're looking at you should be driving at four hundred yards. Um it's just not the case. Um, I wish it was and it's just it's it's this, there's there's companies out there that make little um changes to their um products every year and it's just little increments that make a big difference. Um and they will back their for instance um ping are fantastic of the little increments that they make um, to improve a club, and when they can't improve it, they'll tell you. Um, for instance, they the G four hundred LST. They they said that they couldn't really improve on it. It was such a good driver, they couldn't improve on it on that time. Um, so they didn't really make any uh, a new LST. They kept it um, on the side, and then they figured out something and then brought out an LST. Um, so there is companies out there that will. Um, back the consumer and say, look, we can't improve on this, um, so we're not going to say we we can until we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's that's pretty good. I mean, you know, honesty is, is always the best policy. It's interesting actually because I seen the, the video recently um, about PXG, and one of the, the thing that struck me in that video um, was when they actually the two the, the two uh, technicians, the engineers, the guys that developed it, they, when when they said actually. When they were told there are no constraints, i.e., you don't have to design a club that's going to sell at five hundred dollars, just design the best club, and and you could see on them that that was a real revelation because 
obviously in a big commercial enterprise like Ping or, or Callaway, you need to sell the club at a reasonable price. Yeah. Well, they had, they had been given the freedom to forget about the price. Let's just make the best club. So I guess that's um, that's a distinct difference between that particular brand and some of those other guys, you know. But I thought it was quite an interesting video. When I made, when I seen that point, I thought it was quite important, really. Yeah, and, and PXG um, owned a space that wasn't there um, when they first come out. It was a space that wasn't really um, tapped into, and they, they just produced a, a, um, a good club at a, an expensive price. But people correlate price with performance especially in china where if they don't if it's not three thousand dollars for a set of irons they're not going to buy it um yeah which is completely different to america and and uh, europe so they they've owned that space and as you've seen like trends right now um there's different manufacturers that are coming out with a a line where it's a bit like PXG where it's a high-end, um, say, this is the best materials used, this is the best iron we've ever created, that kind of stuff, but you're going to pay for it. Um, so you see a trend there now that is going towards that kind of niche. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess they've opened up a space for everybody else to then move into, haven't they? Yeah, because they've done well and people are spending the money. Um, even not, not just the, the one percenters, but a good majority of, of golfers that will save up for a set of irons just because PXG is PXG. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, the, it's the stigma attached to them saying, oh, I've got PXG clubs, you must be a good player. And in some of the cases, that is true. <laughs> so um, when the equipment comes into you, do you guys buy it for yourself or do the manufacturers still kind of send you it maybe with some guidelines of, oh, this is what we would like you to find? Or do, do they just send you stuff and give you free reign? Um, so they, they send products to us. Um, we request product for testing. Um, mm-hmm. And if they decline to participate and they're a major um, contributor to the golf industry, we will go out and buy that if they deny. Yeah. Um, There's obviously something uh, a little amiss if they don't want to send you it. Yeah, and I mean that's fine. If they don't want to send it, that's fine. We'll go out and buy it and test it. There's some sometimes companies that decline to participate um, because of reasons, um, because the product's not as good as they would have liked, and they don't want to be exposed, um, saying that it's not the best product. Um, but if they don't, if if they do participate, we have free reign. We go for our own. We got protocols for every test that we do. Um, we test off the rack. We don't test anything that is upgraded, um, specific to the golfer, um, individual golfer. Everything is off the rack because that's what ninety percent of the market is. Is people go into your local store or pro shop uh, and just buy straight off the rack. Um, we've got a store called Dicks over here. Yeah. funny a title but um yeah. Yeah, they they go in there and they've got sets of irons on the walls and that's what they buy they buy straight off there and it's all standard so we don't do anything upright or um flat anything like that everything is off the rack have you found that since you've sort of started working for my golf spy that your game's improved itself just through your product knowledge now compared to what it used to be and things like that dramatically Yes. Um, learning numbers is 
one of the best things and most annoying things I've done. Um, but the best thing is learning my attack angle. And for instance, my driver, my driver, um, when I came to my golf spot, I was hitting about 280, but spinning at about 3,500 revs every shot. So I was losing a dramatic um, 20 yards at least. So I got my attack angle from minus two up to plus three, and I added 35 yards on my driver um, just by changing my angle of attack. Is that just, uh, yeah, just from TrackMan and, and those kind of numbers rather than equipment-based? Yes. So we use um, GC Quad um, here yeah. from Foresight, and um, I've, I've just learned numbers and how to – just tweak my swing slightly so I can get a better angle um, coming into the ball or face. So, for instance, I didn't know I was two to two, two and a half degrees down um, on my attack angle, my driver. Once I knew that, I learned to swing up the ball a little bit more on my driver. And then, yeah, it correlates to a lot of distances added. And that's, that's the same with my irons. My irons, I was two degrees um, toe down, which I didn't know. And um, when I ordered some clubs, I got them two degrees upright and I hit the center of the club face as much as I can um, rather than being out on the toes. So just little things like that make a big difference in my game at least. Would you say that that would then translate to your average golfer who plays sort of once a week, doesn't take it too seriously? Can these numbers still help them to progress? Yes, yes, definitely. But then the price is... The, the monitor that we're using here is $20,000. Um, and I've just done a test on personal launch monitors, um, which still have probably about two or three years to go to be accurate um, in the $500 price range. So it's, it's, mm. all, it's all relative to the consumer. If they can afford it, then great. You, you will improve. Um, your, your game will improve by just... Firstly, learning the numbers and what numbers do, and then translating that into your golf swing. So with all, kind of switching it slightly, with all those technical kind of advancements in the game, it's gone to technical content. So you guys have just, uh, or kind of not, maybe not just, uh, No Puts Given video podcast that you, you kind of do. Yeah. Is this the first kind of lot of video content that you've, look to do kind of on a regular basis um yeah i would say that's i'd say that's pretty accurate on a regular basis we do the podcast and um that which lives on spotify and soundcloud and itunes predominantly so that's that's what we do every week we also do different videos for like top five um drivers that year um, what we've found with our test of feedback, um, we've done that before the no cuts given. Um, but yeah, the, this video, um, for the podcast is every week. So that's, that's more of our, um, go-to now. Yeah. And I think the, um, the, the stuff you, you did with the, with the golf balls was, was absolutely amazing, really, you know, um, I, I, th- I thought that was great. I mean, I, you started off with it. A lot of people interpreted it as maybe, you know, getting at the uh, the fact that most anybody can go to a ball factory and put their own logo on it. Um, I think your point was that, well, that's fine, but tell people that because Callaway spent a fortune developing the ball. 
But um, I thought that that whole show, those that series of shows, was really really good. Actually, how did you guys? Did you just happen to find that? Was when you when you started chopping the balls up? Did you find actually there's a story here? Uh, yeah. So here's the weird thing: is um, my colleagues went to Arizona to do the ball test and and got all the balls um, that they needed. And they're on a robot because that's really the only way to do a ball test is um, on a robot because it's consistent striking every time. Um, human testing, it's it's you add variables and therefore it's unpredictable where the ball goes. You don't know if it's the ball or the actual golfer. So robot was the way to go. And um, our colleagues was, was, was thinking that you could just throw a blanket over all these balls before the test um, and you could just pick them up straight away so it would be a quick test. Uh, that was that was learned the hard way. Um, <laughs> they would see one go down the middle, one then veer um, thirty yards off to the right, and at a negative spin access, which just was weird. Um, and then it would go miles left again. And we we were they were thinking, why is that? Why is that the case? Um, little did we know that it was probably to do with um, I can't say that this is definitively, but is the off-centered of the cords, which will affect your ball dramatically if you um, if you if the, the center of the core is not centered properly. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was scary. So then we then we said this is not right. So we then cut cut open the golf balls and realized how far off-centered they actually were, um, and not just how off-centered they were, but how many balls that have a different logo, like you said, have the same core yeah. and exactly the same um, outer shell as well, as far as as far as we've um, dug in, um, and that's just one aspect. We've 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 uh, spoken to and found different, um, not just the core itself, but we found tires uh, like rubber tires in the golf ball cores, which is just why is is the first question and just it's just mind-boggling to see how behind the scenes things can get put in there slowly um without the consumer knowing it knowing and seeing the people on the pga tour and the european tour use these golf balls um but it's not the ball that they're, they're buying off the shelves mm. yeah a bit of a revelation really wasn't it yeah, we didn't think it was going to be. Um, we knew it was going to be big just by doing a ball test because no one's really done that in the in the industry. Um, but we didn't know how deep of the rabbit hole it actually went um, until we tested them and then opened it up. Yeah, I think it was it was amazing actually how deep the hole was when you when you when you look at the whole thing. Um, it was it was quite shocking really. But I, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, it comes back to the. You know the the point Tom was making about about the clubs. If you're an average golfer playing off eighteen and, and above, probably not going to affect you too much. But the fact is, you're actually paying for something you're not getting. I guess that's the key thing, really. Exactly, and we and the shocking thing is, is if you, I mean, I did this when I was a junior and, and still did up until I went went to my golf spy. Is everyone goes on a golf course and finds a couple of golf balls on whilst playing? And they'll hit their ball in the in the water on the bush, and pick out the ball that they just found, which is a different brand, 
Um, and the scary thing is, is from the um, longest ball to the shortest ball, I think um, it was 35 yards. So you could right. be you could be hitting one golf ball, which is 150 yards, and you hit X, you know, like a an eight iron to 150, and then use the other ball exactly the same strike, same shot, and it will be 35 yards short into the water. And you're thinking, well, how does that correlate? And again, that's the the difference between ball to ball. So my advice would be is if you find a ball, use it. In, in your shag bag, don't um, don't use it on on the course. Always stick to one ball um, throughout the whole round. Do not differ from uh, manufacturer to manufacturer. So, uh, what's up next? Can you give us a glimpse into anything you've got testing coming up? Or um, yeah, what's happening with Golf Spy next? So, what's happened? So, what's coming out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, on my side, I'm about I'm getting ready to publish personal launch monitors. Um, and seeing if you should really spend the $500 on a personal launch monitor because it's pretty cool to have one if you can get accurate um, accurate data and accurate numbers. Um, and we compared it to the GC Quad, which we know is to be very accurate, and that's what we use, and there's a reason why we do. Um, and my advice, as much as I can leak out right now, is probably wait a couple of years um, for something else to come along and for them to get their algorithms more defined and more um, tight. I think you also have to understand what the data is telling you, though, isn't it? So if you if you went for a lesson with a pro using the GC Quad or a TrackMan or something, they can help you interpret that. Yes. So unless you know what you're, yeah. what you're looking yeah. for and what you're trying <laughs> to find out, and you've just got loads of numbers, it might look really cool to your mates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly, no idea. yeah, until you know what the numbers actually um, represent and correlate to, um, yeah, I wouldn't buy one um, until you know those numbers. And luckily... Yeah. You just ruined the lead there of your story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but they, hey, you know, I, I, um, I got a new club two or three years ago and uh, the numbers don't always help. Because I went and got fitted, and um, the numbers I had to buy the club I didn't really like. I wanted the nice shiny white one with the stripe, but I had to get the black one because it was better, you know. So um, it's good the numbers help, but that day I'd have been quite happy to walk away with the white one because I liked it better. Right, aesthetics, aesthetics are quite important to me, you know. So um, I think the the monitor thing sounds fascinating. Actually, it's a really good point because you are spending a lot of money on that thing and and certainly a lot of people will probably buy them i mean i don't know if you know but over here you know footballers used to have um snooker tables but a lot of them have now got these um indoor sort of uh, monitors and um you know uh, that kind of thing rather than having a snooker table they have a room in their in their house with a, a sort of mini driving range in it so it is really important i guess if you're spending that money that it is accurate or at least you know how accurate it is yeah, and and that's exact. That's a great point. Is it is here's a correlation that I I uh, it's easy to correlate. Is a lot of people will go buy a driver not knowing that it's going to work for them and spend five hundred dollars on it. Um, they're going to probably do the same with a personal launch monitor because it's a personal launch monitor and you get numbers. But then when you put it onto a course, um, or even inside. 
it it doesn't give you the accurate yardage that you're actually hitting it. So when you go out on course, you think you're hitting at 200, but you're actually you're hitting at 220 or 180, depending on what what it is. So you could be going long or short. So therefore, it's kind of what is the point? Because you're trying to get better at your game by this personal launch monitor, and yeah. if it's not helping you, it's hindering you, um, yeah. and your scores are going to go up because of it. Hmm. So how often do you get out and um, just have a knock with the lads and having a you know a good time enjoying your golf? Do you do you guys play regular? Yeah, so I'm I'm um, part of a club uh, over here, um, and I, we try and get out once a week on the weekends, um, just with the lads and just enjoy the game. Uh, but obviously, it's getting a little bit colder now. We might not. Everyone's a fair weather golfer, including me now. Um, <laughs> over over here, so it's. When it's, yeah, but hold on, yeah, but hold on, hold on. You're saying fair weather. I mean, compa- compared to here, <laughs> even your worst day is better than ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I can't, I can't uh, deny that. Um, yeah. But when people, we're sitting, here, we're sitting here in down jackets. It's so cold. And that's with the heating on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, in Virginia here, it does get pretty cold. I mean, we'll probably have about five or six snow days um, in the winter. Um, All right. So playing golf in in 33 34 degrees is kind of beyond everyone's um yeah expectation but i guess you're you're more used to it than the locals are i guess yeah so you you play play regular um and and do you play with the guys from the show or are they busy doing other things um so sometimes i play with um sam um who's the director of processing for hard goods um he's a very good golfer too and I play with him once in a while, um, but Adam doesn't really play golf at all. He used to, um, and doesn't anymore, but um, he's very, very um, intelligent when it comes to golf equipment and knowing everything to do with golf. So him and his golf in days, I think, are through, and he may maybe play twice a year, and that's more than enough for him. Um, but apart from that, no, I only play with, with my mates on the uh, – on the golf club, on the golf course, on the club. So, talking about the golf club, then, because you're you're a member there, how would you say? I mean, does it does it differ dramatically from here um, culturally? I'm, I mean, more than anything else, obviously, you know, the, the course differs and the weather's better. But culturally, how do you feel it compares to the your average English or British um, golf club? Um, it's different for sure. I mean, I've I can't I can have banter with them, but not the same banter as what I have with my mates in England. So an example would that be with my mates in England. They came over to my wedding um, last week and I we played golf and the last one to make a birdie, if someone makes a birdie and and there's four of us and there's only three of them made, three of us made birdie, we'll say, hey, uh, have you had a birdie today? Um, I said, yeah, I've had a birdie. Have you had a birdie? And and you, you go to the last guy who hasn't made a birdie and it, and he just normally swears at me and gets annoyed. Um, but we can't, I can't really do that over here because it, it doesn't really make sense. They don't understand that kind of banter, but they still have a good banter when it comes to just general, general chit chat. Yeah. So it is yeah. different, um, but I've got used to it. Dress code? Um, it's pretty relaxed. Um, country club, you're, depending on the, on the, how much a country club is, um, yes, you need 
so you obviously you need your your polo shirt and um your trousers have to be you know not everyday skateboarding trousers that kind of stuff um but you different different courses allow you to untuck your shirt um and remember in England you have to wear white socks if you wear shorts over here you don't um you can wear whatever color socks you want to be honest well that's good isn't it yeah, so it's, it's a lot more relaxed, um, and a lot. And in the case, they they drink a lot more beer, so they don't really care that much. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not real beer though, is it? <laughs> yeah, well, but it is interesting the cultural differences, isn't it? I mean, as you say, it's a lot more relaxed, and as Nicholas says, it's more modern. Really, you know, we we still have got some of those issues, but I think it's getting a lot better. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I've I've been back and played. A couple of times in England in the last couple of years, and it is it is getting a lot more relaxed. Um, here, here I say it: the, the older generation, when I was growing up, um, they were a stickler for have to be this, that, and the other. Um, but now the younger generation is coming through and becoming on more committees. It's becoming a little bit more slack, which is I think good for the golf game. It's going to make it more attractive to younger golfers and so it's not as stuffy as it was. No, exactly. I mean, that's something we, we're, um, we're working hard uh, every day to try and improve that scenario by, you know, producing some really uh, exciting, nice, bright clothes and, yeah. and trying to be enthusiastic. I mean, to be enthusiastic about golf, some people don't like that, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, exactly. so having a good time in a golf course for some members is, is a bit of a strange thing. You know, you're supposed to be out there having a terrible time and, and, and really feeling miserable about the whole thing, which um, I can't really see the point myself. So, yeah, it is, it is changing, it is getting better. Um, and, and I guess over there, yeah, the sun helps, you know, everybody wears shorts a lot of the time, whereas we tend to wear duffel coats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot a lot of um country club um golfers over here wear bright clothes. It's it's yeah. typical country club look. It's it's a pink shirt with blue shorts and it, I think it's it's good. I mean it's it's fun. I mean sometimes golf if you are in a bad round, at least you look good and doing it, you know. Exactly, exactly. That's that's your thing. Oh, that is. There's never a bad round on a golf course. Yeah, you, you're not you're not working um, exactly. the majority of the time, so you're having you're having fun and having a few beers whilst doing it. Exactly, that's your thing. Enjoy the game. Yes. So, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't play it. Um, I mean, at the end so of the day, you have to enjoy. Are you giving up the football then? Is that or do you play football over there? Um, I actually coach. Um, all right. I coach football right now at my university that I used to play for, so I'm one of the assistant coaches part time. Um, and I, I I join in here and there, but I am very out of shape when it comes to running with those 21 year old kids. Um, yeah. But I used to, I play in some leagues just for fun, like a Sunday league, um, without getting my leg broken. Um, fingers crossed. <laughs> well, it's. It's um it's been it's been really good to talk to you. Um, hopefully, um, people have uh, enjoyed it, and we've helped to promote um the um the show. Um, because I think that, as I said earlier, that's really one of our key things is to try and, and get as many people hooked up to good golf websites as we can. Um, and my golf spy has certainly been one of our favourites for quite a long time now, and we we like we have the no putts. Um, and that was that's a real good show. So. 
Harry, thank you very much for coming on. And, um, you know, uh, maybe we can we can hook up someday. Maybe if we're over at the PGA show, we can have a, have a coffee and a chat. It'd be really good to do that. So um, it's been a great pleasure. Um, thanks very much. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll, um, I'll, be, I'll be there at the PGA show and um, look forward to meeting you all. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. Thanks, Harry. Cheers, Harry. Thank you.